Hello, 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 and welcome to the Big Apple School Podcast, the weekly English show where we speak about everything under the sun. The major goal of this show is to help you improve your English and, of course, learn something new. My name's Katja, I'm your host, and today with me... I'm Gary. And... And I'm Maria. Dear listeners, you know, we here at Big Apple School believe that the sky's the limit and we want to grow and become even better. And for this, we need a little bit of your help. Let us know what you think about our podcast, what you like or dislike. Subscribe to our pages on Apple, Yandex, Google, VK or any other platform where you listen to our podcast. And let us know what you think. You may rate and review our podcast, so give us stars, leave comments, ask questions or... Send your ideas about our next episodes. So we would really appreciate that. So now, uh, Gary, Maria, I haven't seen you for quite a while. Yeah, so for a month or so. Yeah. Or so, maybe more. Yeah, I think we haven't seen each other for quite a while. So what's up? What's new? How's your life? Mm, well, nothing much. I mean, same old stuff. Uh, no news is good news, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So working, working, working? Working, uh, sleeping, yeah, repeat. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. <laughs> yes. So absolutely no, no, no news, okay. So it's calm and... Uh, uh, stable, stable. Stable. Yeah. Very stable. Stability is good, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. yes, Stability is. is a sign of mastery. <laughs> As Brezhnev said, said, said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did he say? The stability well, is... Stability is very good. In so many words. Or he, he lived it. He didn't just say it. He lived it. Right. All right, Gary, what about you? What's up? I would say the same. Stable. Very stable. Good. Fine. Okay. I mean, of course, uh, every day I'm becoming a better version of myself. Uh, <laughs> that's well, it. I'm, I, I feel like becoming a slightly worse version of myself. <gasps> How come? And it's been a long time, so you can imagine. You can imagine what I once was. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's supposed to be no. the other way, like like good wine, no, you know, joking. becomes better. Yeah, I hope so, too. All I right. Mean, I'm, I'm, what, what about you? What yeah. about me? Well, um, tomorrow, I'm so today and uh, well, I'm scared as hell because tomorrow I'm having a dental surgery. Oh, so, wow. yeah, dear listeners, support me with your likes and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get a an implant and a lower wisdom tooth pulled oh, out. Oh, boy. So that's why I'm going to be on a sick leave for a week, for about a week. Okay. Fun times. But other than that, it's all cool because it's April. It's yeah. the month of my birthday. And you'll be able to read lots of utopias and <laughs> <Yeah>. dystopias. <laughs> right, I'll yeah. be able to sleep. <laughs> Maybe. Then, you know, yeah. as, as you said, like sleep, work, repeat for me, it's going to be sleep, take ibuprofen, sleep, repeat. Yeah. All right. But other than that, you know. Nothing much, I guess. So, yeah. Well, uh, spring has come, which uh, usually brings me some kind of new hope, really expectations and everything like that. Yeah. And puddles and mud and dirt. Mostly uh-huh. hope and expectations. <laughs> <laughs> right. So speaking of, you know, hopes, expectations and everything that's kind of related to our topic today. Oddly enough. Oddly enough. Yes. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. <laughs> right, right. <Yes>. Speaking... <laughs> Oddly, you should mention. Because today we're going to talk about dystopias. But I think before we actually talk about dystopias, it's important to mention utopias. So what is a utopia? How do you understand that? Well, uh, it's I understand it uh, quite in a simple way. It's an ideally perfect place, a state or a country or just a place where People are not perfect, maybe, but where the system is perfect in terms of customs, laws, mm-hmm. political uh, things and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And what is dystopia then? Then it's, uh, it's, it's a place where like uh, all bad things were led to extremes, like maybe an exaggerated worst case scenario of how the things could be. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're talking about like, if we talk about society, then it's mostly, most likely totalitarian, like uh, post. Yeah, but not some. necessarily because dystopias are different, uh, but uh, they are aimed on, um, I mean, authors uh, criticize different aspects 
either mm-hmm. a totalitarianism or maybe ignorance or maybe uh, some something else. Like, uh, for example, as we're going to discuss, I guess, Aldous Huxley, he mm-hmm. was criticizing uh, the high-tech society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we now live in. Right. Which we are now living in, for sure. Yeah. So utopia is, is you, right? The thing at the beginning, the you, it means not, none. So it's a, it's no place, but it's an ideal. And this is bad. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a bad place. It's interesting that they're always systems. Like they're, the whole thing is the system, right? It's mm-hmm. either ideal or or yeah, the opposite, right? Yeah. It's, so in, it, it's, you know, when we think of utopia, at first, you know, people might think like, oh, how old is this word? You know, it must be something from like the... 18th century, the 17th century, but then it's or funny. even that, earlier. Exactly. But then, so as, <clears throat> sorry. So as far as we know, the first person who actually used this term, so who gave birth to the word itself was Thomas More in 1516, when he published the book in Latin, which was called Utopia. Do you know anything about this, about this book, about this? I know about a book, but I haven't read it. Uh, but I guess uh, one century after this, in um, the beginning of the 17th century, it was Tommaso Campanella who wrote uh, uh, City of the Sun. Uh, oh, I have, should, yeah. I have never Or the Sun City, I don't know it. how to say it in English. Well, I started to read it, but I was bored so didn't, didn't survive it yeah <laughs> I wait what year yeah. you said it was uh, like 1613 or something a so hundred years later yeah well i i happen to have read Tom- <laughs> utopia by thomas moore because as i was telling you before we started i took a class an elective class mm-hmm. right uh which our school started to do in ninth grade uh-huh and the first reading was maybe the first reading was the Republic. Oh, which, oh my God! Yeah, By Plato. Yeah, yeah, something out of there. You Isn't know, like it a bit too serious for a yeah, ninth grade? Yeah, I was not, going. I was just going to ask that. Well, it's not impossible. It was okay. I mean, Thomas More is not light reading. It's okay, and but I I did read it. I didn't remember it, but I did listen. To, I've been listening to an audio book, <laughs> and. Uh, history of philosophy and it recalled to me uh what thomas moore was about and his his view you know uh, of what his ideal world would be and of course oftentimes these ideals either dystopia or utopias they're a commentary on the real world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. saying something about the world as it actually is even though they're talking about the world as it isn't Mm -hmm. they're coming around that way to talk about the world that is and so um i just happened to listen to this or i wouldn't remember any of this obviously this was 50 years ago in my official role as old guy (laughs) a lot of you are wondering literally it was literally 50 years ago um and ninth grade would be 1969, and that would mean I was 15 years old. That was that was 50 years ago. So I don't obviously remember anything mm-hmm. uh, or very little. But uh, uh, this this island place, uh, this this uh, utopia place called Utopia, a, a traveler visits there, mm-hmm. and and here is this wonderful society. And I guess the main feature the that jumps out is that it was totally collect. There was no pri- no private property. Mm-hmm, it was a mm-hmm. communistic type of world, mm-hmm. right? And uh, equal, so everybody was equal. They wore the same clothes. And, uh, you know, it was very uh, egalitarian, we would say, and terrible. It would and be terrible. awful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but it was utopia. It was supposed to be good, right? Yeah, but still, utopias and dystopias are maybe more closely connected than we might think because they are all criticizing the current affair in the society where the author lived. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. when uh, the author decides to write a utopia, uh, he criticizes uh, uh, the mm-hmm. affairs of his or her country. And the same uh, when he or she writes a dystopian yeah. So you um, could, you could be safe in your criticism like Thomas More, I understand, again, based on what I just listened to, but mm-hmm. um, they were very peaceful people, right? They didn't, and they did not spend money on 
weapons except for the minimum and the democracy, everybody having the same property. That's, of course, a commentary on the big differences in the society between the rich and the poor, mm-hmm, right? unlike mm-hmm. the real, you know, uh, and and the peacefulness relatively anyway, though the, there's war is a possibility. Uh, but generally, they're not looking to get more territory or enlarge their mm-hmm. kingdom or more money or whatever there, that's not what motivates them. So anyway. And you have mentioned another example of utopia. I mean, utopia as a piece of work, which was Republic by Plato. Right. Which yeah. is actually interesting because, uh, well, Utopia by Thomas More was written in the 16th century, but Republic by Plato was written Right. Before Christ. Way right. before. Fifth, fifth century, yeah. Yes. Century, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's still, you know, kind of criticized the the matters, you know, the state of the government and everything. And, but wait, you said that you read it in your ninth grade. I'm I not mean, sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Of course we read all the entire Republic. Along yeah, I mean, with but it's like 10 books. No, we, yeah, we didn't. No, I, if we read anything and we may mm-hmm. not have read anything. Okay. It's, it's too, like a Russian I, I know we read uh, school Thomas children Moore. read uh, War and Peace by Tolstoy. Right. You know, well, we, we read, but we a little jump. We don't. <laughs> and we yeah, skip. Yeah. We read, but we don't. There's part that you, you could read about the Philosopher Kings or something that we, mm-hmm. we may have read some of it, but maybe the course started with Thomas More. Mm-hmm. That, that would be likely. But I remember hearing about it during my course of philosophy at university. But also, to be honest, well, when we had uh, philosophy in my second year of university, I was 17. I didn't care about this. And now I wish I had. And although, you know, I think that I wouldn't have understood much anyway at the age of 17. So and now I really want to like kind of fill the gap in my knowledge. Yeah, and that's when I tried to read this uh, Tomasa Campanella's uh-huh. work. When mm-hmm. I was about 17 or 18, yeah. Wow, yeah, that would be rough. Because uh, one of my group mates uh, used to read it, and uh, I just wanted to be as smart as she is. <laughs> right. I, I don't think that uh, she uh, came through it either. Yeah, right. I but think... She, but she gave the, the... The example. Yeah, gave... <laughs> inspired, inspired imitation, anyway. Yeah, yeah, as, far as, yeah. as far as I remember... Uh, well, I read the description of uh, Republic and, you know, just brief summary. Um, so, and Plato describes, you know, different, um, like, political systems and he describes the perfect one, which in his opinion does not exist and did not exist at the time. But it's interesting because he gives description of political systems going from the best to the worst. And uh-huh. he claims that the best of the existing ones out of the existing ones are aristocracy and monarchy. Yes. Yeah. Which I believe people would definitely not agree. No. Today. He, he was a complete conservative and he was anti-individualistic. The thing mm-hmm. was the state, the mm-hmm. city-state, you know, Athens. right? And so that was um, much above... The, the individual, the value of the individual, right? It was an, it was a, another collectivist thing. Yeah, because yeah. he meant he stated that the worst political systems were tyranny, and then before that, democracy. Mm-hmm. So one of the worst political systems possible yeah. is yeah, democracy, yeah. in his opinion. Yeah, which is yeah, I, not not to be a pompous person here but I I also the other book I list, I've listened to is a, a book by a guy named Karl Popper and he's a, a philosopher guy himself and he wrote a book called The Open Society it's two volumes and uh, volume one is about Plato mm-hmm. and volume two is is about totalitarian followers of Plato mm-hmm. so Popper takes Plato is generally thought of in a very high, he's idealized, right? Because he's had so much influence on philosophy and, and thought. But in fact, he was really a totalitarian mindset. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's what why the open society. And uh, mm-hmm. um, anyway, so no, we wouldn't call it ideal, right? We've seen, maybe we've seen some version of that, you know, mm-hmm. but he was, it's elitist and it's, do you, do you think that utopia is possible to achieve ever? 
No, and it comes from from the word itself. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. But I mean, the word was originally the name of the isle, but in general, so you think that there's no such thing as perfect system, perfect world. Mm, it's impossible. Uh, it's uh, the same as impossible as to find this, you know, perpetuum mobile, for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> like something that works forever or something that works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Because the, I guess, uh, world is perfect because it's imperfect. Okay. Because we are all different. All right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So yeah, that's I th- the perfection. Of I it. think yeah, it's it's it. impossible to have the perfect world and which is perfect for everybody, just because we are way too different with different values, wishes. Yeah, and also I guess people just would die uh, uh, in such a society because uh, if everyone is the same, if everything is the same, it goes to the decline. So it's like against the human nature to be... Right, mm-hmm. right. But it's interesting that these uh, people, when they think about, well, what would make our system better, right? They make it more uniform, right? Instead of making it more varied, right? Mm-hmm. They make it more, mm-hmm. okay, if some of this is good, then let's make it all that. You know, right? I was recently, yeah. well, later in the podcast, we're going to talk about one of the TV shows, which is uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which is also a dystopian TV show. And I still remember one of the phrases um, said over there, which is, um, you wanted to make the world better. And another person said, yeah, but better doesn't mean better for everybody. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Or yeah, uh, like George Orwell said in his Animal Farm, like... Everybody is equal, but some are more equal, <laughs> equal than yeah. others. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah, this yeah, is it's, why it's right. not it's, really... It's better for, for whom, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's better, like for Plato, it was definitely for this elite caste, mm-hmm. right? Just, it, mm-hmm. was a, it was really a caste. It's almost so caste-based that it sounds like India. Mm-hmm. Like we think of India, <laughs> really, because there was maybe even one culture on some level, mm-hmm. right, similar... Uh, culture, and that's why there's some similarities in their religion, also. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it it really is a caste thing. So it's good for the the top caste, and mm-hmm. everybody else is a slave or a guard. You know, they're 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 just servants to the. You know. But for some reason, they're supposed to be happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're even trying to be happy at, <laughs> at that point. You know, later, I think probably later, utopia thinking maybe like maybe the Sun King. I bet. What was it, Sun? Uh, Sun City or Sun the City. City of the Sun. Because I I, it was a... written in Latin, so I don't know uh, what's the name of it in English. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've mm-hmm. heard the title anyway. but uh, I know. So, yeah, and in contrast with all that, with Utopia, the perfect society, the uh, well-functioning society, we have Dystopia, which oh, yeah. very, well, well, which mostly um, is characterized by dehumanization, tyranny, um, environmental disasters very often if we look at different books or fear, suffering fear, suffering, control yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. no human dignity, no personality at all mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is interesting that the there's some common elements there of yeah. Uh-huh. Of utopia thinking. Yes. And then yeah. dystopia, it's sort of okay. So and if yeah. so dystopias, uh, you know, we've just mentioned all the character well, some of the characteristics of them and they sound, you know, dark and gloomy. But why are dystopian novels so appealing then? Well uh, can I can I? Yeah, uh, by so, all means, yeah. Um <laughs> so, don't, don't even don't even hesitate. Just take start, <laughs> yeah, right. Just throw it out there. Be- yeah. First of all, they are interesting to read, uh, and to me, uh, they are interesting because most of them are written by uh, authors who are considered to be science fiction authors, and I'm a big fan of science fiction, so that is why, maybe. Mm-hmm. And also, um, when, for example, when we know uh, what the world could be in its most negative way, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe we can avoid having it in real life. So that's why you know, we need to read such things just to be warned. You know, uh, let's since we we are going to talk about different books anyway. Why don't we start with George Orwell's 1984? And by saying you know, warn us. I yep. want to start with George Orwell's Orwell's um, 
quote. Mm -hmm. So he wrote his dystopian book 1984 in 1949. So, and later, while he was still alive, he said, I wrote this book as a warning, not a damn manual. So he he started to see his book coming to life. Yeah, So he could see it already, right, in some aspects. I mean, right... So let's let's talk about this yeah, book because yeah, yeah. um, 1984 it has outsold all the rest, so all the other books in a genre to put together. Mm-hmm. So which is why I think we need to, you know, give it credit and discuss it first. Yeah, so sure. You know, uh, just to start with, it was uh, the uh, dystopian piece of work which impressed me most of all. And when I was reading it, I was about like 19 or something. Uh, I was working in a bookshop, so I had an opportunity to read lots of books, and this was the book that impressed me most of all. I remember I even cried. Mm-hmm. And I was so shocked. So can you can you remind us and uh, tell slash remind the listeners what the book is about? It's about... Uh, society uh, which is like a totalitarian society mm-hmm. um, um, it is set I guess in the uh, distant future uh, maybe uh, well century mm. 32 or something no it's 1984 it must be 1984. ah yeah yeah sorry yeah. I, I mixed it up yeah yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, I mixed it yeah. up with uh, uh, yeah so, yeah some other piece of yeah uh, and uh, well people after a big war, I guess, mm. and uh, they live in a um, uh, uh, country with artificial language, with uh, mm-hmm. everything. The new speak. Uh, yeah, uh, everything is banned, and uh, well, people are brainwashed. Mm-hmm. The society mm-hmm. is brainwashed, and they are prohibited to do pretty much everything. And uh, so we, we all know this uh, phrase, uh, Big Brother is watching mm-hmm, you, or mm-hmm. this uh, phrase, uh, like uh, the thought police. Mm-hmm. So the society is controlled in everything. And they can't even um, have this freedom to love who they want. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to. Yeah, actually, George Orwell was the one who introduced these terms as Big Brother and yeah. Thought Police. And interestingly enough, so Orwell himself, he was a democratic socialist. So, and he um, modeled this uh, this authoritarian world uh, after Stalinist yes, uh, Russia. So, and if you have mentioned Animal Farm, and that was also modeled after Russia. So and not only after Russia, I guess also after uh, um, Spanish uh, totalitarian um, things. Yeah, because I uh, read that uh, George Orwell. Uh, it was his quote. He said that after 1936, he just couldn't keep silence, and it mm-hmm. was the war in Spain. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, he had a lot of examples to base his books on, which is sad. quite sad. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, and uh, so in this book we can see the thought police, the cult of personality, because this big brother is the leader of the cult, but no one is even sure that he exists. So, because no one has ever seen him, you know, in real life, in personality. And I remember, you know, um, when I was reading it, uh, it was, it felt so odd to me to see this uh, two minutes of hatred, I think it was called, Something like two minutes mm-hmm. hate. So, you know, the, the daily public period of two minutes uh, during which members of this party, so they must watch a film depicting, you know, the animus of the of the party, the animus of the society. And, yeah, and like every, every week or so, uh, the country was at war with someone else. Yeah, so in, and to me, it was just so weird to read like oh come on this is impossible this is something you know so unreal you know the brainwash the uh putting the news in such a way that you know today we are at war with this tomorrow we are at war with another country but now you know now it's not so it doesn't seem so unusual and so weird anymore Mm -hmm. somehow i mean not to that extent, but still. Yeah. Well, when I when I first read it, which was <clears throat> the famous 50 years ago, it was Cold War times, and I'm sure that was part of the utopia. I mean, it was probably the main reading of the course, or the one that also mm-hmm. 
hit hit home hardest, you know, was the was maybe the best book you'd say as of the type. And and uh, I mean, there there was a you know a culture war, a, a, mm-hmm. a, a global conflict of ideas, and uh, and there it is. I mean, there's the Soviet. Mm-hmm. side of the story and that's probably part of why the utopia course and maybe we're reading that it was not that we were brainwashed but it was an obvious thing to be looking at right mm-hmm. at the time yeah so we can say that the main idea in 19 uh 1984 is that people will have mass surveillance total control including the thought control so yeah. it's all based on control yeah and yeah. you know what impressed me most of all that interpersonal relationship Uh, is not important anymore and he or they uh, well he met a woman uh, and they kind of fell in love with each other but then uh, well (laughs) no spoilers but maybe uh, (laughs) everybody knows Uh, like at the end uh, he uh, the main character he was thinking like uh, he loved the big brother he started to love the big brother that's what was so shocking and terrible he um he betrayed his the woman he loved mm-hmm. and uh, he refused and he he was saying like take her not me that's why uh, i was so shocked because i think that no matter what society no matter what political regime we are living at we are living in we still need to to be humans and like interpersonal relationships it's what uh should not be under control Mm-hmm. At any time. Well, I believe this is what dystopias uh, want to show. That, you know, even though we, it's preferable that we stay humans. So they show the world where we, well, where people don't anymore. They don't value the... Well, the old Pavlik Morozov problem, <laughs> right? Yeah, he <laughs> turned, his, <laughs> turned his father in and get a, gets, gets an award, right? Yes. Yeah. Becomes a byword, a hero. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's an interesting, you know, bad one, twist. Yeah. <laughs> twist, yes. <laughs> so, and um, why don't we then compare uh, 1984 with another example, one bright example of dystopias, which is Brave New World. Many of us have heard this phrase, "Oh, the Brave New World," which comes from uh, one of the poems by Shakespeare, but more often than not, it is referred to um, when we talk about dystopias. So what do you happen to know about The Brave New World by Aldous Huxley? Well, I read it after uh, I had read uh, 1984, so I wasn't so impressed. Uh, It's mostly about a very highly developed society in terms of technology, Mm -hmm. and all children are cloned. All Mm -hmm. children are created kind of artificially people uh, as far as i remember people don't have uh, their children anymore and the like the quote that comes uh, to my mind is like everyone belongs to everyone else it means like everything is kind of shared and you don't have something which is personal absolutely I th- absolutely i think by the way back to plato and the republic i think that was one of the things yeah. in the Republic mm-hmm. was that children were taken from their families and they were like raised by the state. Yeah, and this here, is exactly children, the idea, yeah. yes. Children are even not born uh-huh. uh, in a natural way and all people are divided into classes. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. like in India. <laughs> so it's interesting, yeah, as yeah. you said, so we see uh, kind of parallels between Utopia and Brave New World, which is a classic example of dystopia. Oh, it all depends on the point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, unlike uh, 1984, which took place in the not-so-distant future at the time when George Orwell was writing it, so Brave New World takes place in a futuristic world state. They, stay, they say that it's the year uh, 632 AF, which is after Ford. After Ford. Yeah. Yes. Like the yes. industrial guy. <laughs> oh, or, wow. uh, Okay. 20, wow. Oh, yeah, 2,540 in the Gregorian calendar. Okay. So, yeah, and citizens are engineered through artificial wombs and, you know, all, all that. So, and they have classes based on intelligence and labor. So, we can see people, I think they were called beta people. 
yeah. who were working, you know, who were bred, I'm sorry, for, for labor. So physical, physical work. I think work. there were five classes or so, like alpha, beta, and yeah. epsilon wow. was the, the lowest, I guess. Oh, yeah, maybe the epsilon was the the labor one. And then alpha were the ones who were the most intelligent. Alpha males. Alpha yes. males. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, yes, right, yes. Why and not? also, I remember that uh, people used to, in in this society people took drugs a lot to uh, kind of imitate uh, being happy. Exactly. So, well, in general, you know, this novel uh, talks, as you said, about technological advancements such as uh, reproductive technology, sleep learning. So people learned in their sleep. So while they were sleeping, they had these ideas that their Classes has will have to, and they should remember. have been proud of the class they were born into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then there were the concepts of psychological manip- manipulation, and yes, and as you said, uh, most people um, consumed a soothing, as they called happiness-producing drug called soma. Yep. So and like, ma- like in India, <laughs> and the main character so, um, Bernard Marx. Mind the, the, the last name, Bernard Marx. Oh, wow. So he was working with uh, this sleep learning devices. I mean, he was the one responsible for them. He was not an alpha, but also in his class, he was kind of, you know, not the most outstanding representative. So and working with this sleep uh, learning devices, it, it helped him to understand and disapprove of the society's method of controlling people through that. So, you know... And the main role, well, the main goal of the society, of the government, was to keep people peaceful. And that's what he disliked. And it's interesting to see the difference. So, well, both Brave New World and 1984 are said to be the classics of uh, dystopias. And yet they show absolutely different approaches. So if George Orwell believed that we are going to be, well, doomed because of the control and you know something we hate something we disapprove of and mass uh, surveillance then Aldous Huxley you know in contrast believed that we are going to be um, controlled by something we like by something we love in this case that was the happiness producing drugs and everything and that's Facebook, anybody? <laughs> exactly. Yes, so, right, and yes. technically, you I know, like this. Oh, you like that? Let's but I mean, give you, think, yeah. think let's about give it. You giant shovel loads so, of that. Doesn't like, that remind you of something? It does. So, we now, well, you know, as in Brave New World, the government's goal was to keep people peaceful. So, when people look at our world now, People don't want to, you know, rebel or change or whatever. They don't want to think because we have so many opportunities for entertainment. We have VR, virtual reality, that helps us to escape from the real world and see, you know, different worlds without leaving our home. We have so many TV shows. Literally more than uh, 500 TV shows come out every year. Just think about it. So we have so many things that help us not to... Not even think. Right. Yeah. No thinking required. <laughs> and in fact, we recommend no thinking. We prefer, <laughs> right around here, we prefer no thinking at all. That would be a bad sign for the Big Apple School, you know, like <laughs> right. if you <laughs> come here and you see no thinking required, <laughs> right. it's just going to be like, no, thank you. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. right. We just pump the knowledge into your brain directly. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, while you sleep, don't. like in Brave New World. No, while you're awake. <laughs> while you're Amazingly awake. <laughs> so, yeah, so we can see the, of course, we can see kind of, you know, the elements of both uh, Brave New World and 1984 and in our real world, which makes me quite sad. Anxious. Sad, anxious, depressed, you name it, you know. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and again, uh, in 1984, for example, uh, people were brainwashed and the main character was tormented and so on. But in uh, the Brave New World, uh, one of the main characters just committed suicide because he couldn't live in this world. I love it how you just, you know, like no spoilers at all, but you know what happens in the end? (laughs) I mean, uh, can you spoil Romeo and Juliet or something like this? It's just (laughs) obvious. Everyone knows it. Yeah, what did happen to those people? (laughs) 
Yeah. They were, I know they were in love with each other, but yeah. how did that? I wonder how that ever turned out. I'm pretty sure they had lived happily <laughs> ever bet, after. I bet that was going to go great. I mean, they were made for each other. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it's the same. It's the same. <laughs> yeah. And you know, even if you know the end, still. Uh, these pieces of work are still interesting to read. I mean, I will reread. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. What because uh, the ending, it's not uh, what... Uh, it's not about the ending, what's, it, what's important, yeah. It's not the crucial thing. Well, yeah. What part made you cry, Maria? Uh, what, what was the... What was the when uh, two people who were supposed to... Uh, it, it was in 1984. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm speaking about George Orwell. Uh, I don't remember if I really cried, but I was so deeply shocked, I remember it. And when I reread it, Again, uh, when I was uh, like more mature, I still was shocked that people who were meant to, who were supposed to love each other, so easily betrayed each other. Yeah. That that's what. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, these these books, um, no matter what kind of utopia or dystopia we are talking about, most of these books tend to be very thought provoking. Yeah. So the ending is not what's important Absolutely. in this case. Yes. And you know, it's obvious from the beginning that it will not end well. I mean, <laughs> right. it's a dystopia. <laughs> right. Well, right. I wouldn't say so. I mean, there are right. still Just... dystopias. Well, that's the thing, though. You know, there are still dystopias with a happy ending, but then you read them and you think, yeah, right, it happened like that. Mm-hmm. Who made you write this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that sounds suspicious. Yeah. So, and let's talk about one more, one more uh, representative. It was Zamyatin, Evgeny Zamyatin. Who yeah, wrote, I guess he was like we, the, the first. The, 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 he's the, believed to be the, the first, actually. And actually, after the publication of We by Zamyatin, um, Aldous Huxley wrote his Brave New World and oh. George Orwell accused him of plagiarism. Yeah, but uh, I, I, as far as I know, uh, Huxley denied reading uh, yeah, We. Yeah, he did. <laughs> And an interesting fact. So we, uh, it was written by Evgeny Zamyatin, a Russian author, but it was uh, first published in 1924 in English in New York City. And it was published in Russian only in 1954. So why? You might. Uh, sorry, 1954. Wow. Mm-hmm. 54, right? A year after, after Stalin's death. Exactly. Mm, exactly. Do the math on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So, his book was published in Russian only after Stalin's death when it was finally allowed. But quite soon, published. I must say. Well, he was like, well, clock is ticking, clock is ticking. Yeah, okay. Now it has happened. I can finally publish my book in Russia. So, but yeah. So, what do we know about we? I read it at school because I guess I also... What now? At school. Really? Yeah, I was uh, studying in a, um, a special class uh, with lots of literature. And uh, it was, yeah, it was in our program. Maybe it was an election. Maybe it was an election course. Uh, likewise, Gary said, for example, I don't know. Or maybe it was in the program uh, itself. But yeah, it was, um, I guess, the 11th grade or the 10th grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we read it at school. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very sure of it. Uh, I, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had lots of literature lessons, about six a week. Yeah, I mean, uh, I did the same, but uh, we never read anything like that. No well, I'm um, a little bit older, maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the program I changed. Um, and, well, um, it was pretty interesting, but I wouldn't reread it. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe the language. Maybe I didn't like the language or something. Basically, people live uh, in the world... I guess now it's century 32. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I took it somewhere. It's a, yeah, it's in a distant, distant future. Uh, yes, yes, you're right. And people don't have even names. They just have numbers. And they live uh-huh. in houses with glass walls uh, so they can be observed by uh, the government. Uh, it's not a, the Big Brother, but something like this. Yeah, they, they were called Bureau of Guardians. Yeah. Bureau of Guardians. Yeah, that was the a secret class. That the was a bureau. class in... Uh, and I think in, in the Republic of Guardians, but anyway, yeah. And this society is based on logic and not imagination. And when people started to use their imagination, they were considered sick. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, uh, you developed these symptoms. Uh, maybe it's soul that you, <laughs> that you yeah, have. Yeah, so I, as far as I remember, imagination and dreams as well were, con- was, were considered to be a mental illness. Yep. 
So in the whole society lived by the uh, laws of logic and math, and this math, you know, mathematic formulas that were, of course, provided by the government, you know. Yeah. So and of course everything was uh, regulated by the government, even the private life, even the sexual life. I remember reading it when I was like 22 and I was so you know shocked maybe. I was like, wait, first of all, numbers. When I started reading and the sentence was like D503 went to work. I'm like, the what now? Mm-hmm. Is it a robot are we talking about? Like what? And only then I realized that like D503 I what, what was her name? I-330 or something. So it was all numbers and letters and yeah. So and people were assigned to each other for like weekly intercourse or something like that, but with no emotions because this the only purpose of that should be child. Again, child everyone yeah. belongs to everyone else. Yeah, but well, everyone is assigned to everyone else, you know. No emotions. Uh-uh-uh. So yeah, and I remember... Um, Actually, I, I remember talking about it uh, with my sister, who's a mathematician. So she loves logic and math. So, and she told me that, oh, you know what? I came across this book and I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. I, <laughs> I found this wonderful it's a book about u- numbers. U- utopian novel. Yes, right. Utopian yeah. I think you'll love it. Yeah. This is my dream world. I mean, the people's names are numbers. It's awesome. No emotions. No everything. Oh, yeah. So, and then, so this main character, D503, he meets some kind of a rebel whose name is I330. And, you know, this woman smokes and drinks and flirts and all of these are legal activities in the world. Of Which course. is highly appealing for him. Yeah. So I think they, they like fall in love. And then she tells him that she's actually a part of the rebellious uh, organization so, yeah, plotting to bring down the Senate or something like that. I do not remember how it ended, though. Uh, they but uh, destroyed <laughs> this. Yeah. Would, yeah. You like to, would you like to spoil this uh, one? I, I can, yeah. absolutely. We will leave no, we will leave no, no, no story uh, That's unspoiled. why I'm here today. <laughs> right, right. Again, that's, I, that's, I will repeat again. I'm, I'm a witness here that Katya is actually like giving you, you, you a tried, prompt. You tried, but no, right. I'm unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they kind of uh, succeeded, but not completely. Uh, and again, as in any dystopian piece of work, uh, the ending is um, predictable, but still open mm-hmm. and thought-provoking. That's why it doesn't matter if they succeeded, actually. And what she said, I don't remember her number, I something. 330. She said... Uh, and, mm, <laughs> to be not to yeah. be a, a sister of a mathematician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So she said uh, something like, uh, "There can't be such a thing as the last revolution." Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, you even remember that? Yeah, oh. yeah. Th- that's that's like the message, I guess. I would, uh, you know, I I quite disagree about the thing that you said about ending being predictable and dystopious because there are so many. Uh, so many of them with different endings. So it's not always an unhappy ending. Okay, so, give me some examples. Uh, because you can't even spoil the ending. I will <laughs> yeah, still read yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we got a whole list of, of books to spoil. <laughs> <laughs> Romeo I mean, and Juliet. Other <laughs> yeah. yeah. works by Shakespeare. I mean, wasn't, uh, didn't Divergent or Hunger Games have a happy ending? Haven't read. What about watching the films? Haven't read. Okay, haven't so... Listeners, those of you who have watched Divergent and both well, the trilogy and The Hunger Games, wasn't there a happy ending? Because I have a feeling that there was, even though I didn't watch it till the end because I hate Jennifer Lawrence. But again, okay. happy ending like for whom? Ah, uh, oh. I mean, oh, for example, if <laughs> it, uh, well, for example, films well, with, uh, with films with Bruce Willis, he saves the world, uh, and uh, only he and a couple of people uh, survived. So, is it a happy ending? <laughs> Masha brings up, you know, very serious questions. For Bruce Willis and a couple of other people, <laughs> yes. Right. Oh, well, you, since we're talking about, you know, um, the classics of dystopias, I think we can't but mention 451 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Gary, you must have read this one. You must know at least something about this one. I know a little bit about it. 
What do you? Yeah, because uh, those guys. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't ask me that. Uh, George <laughs> Orwell be, and uh, you'll be very surprised. Well, I don't want to. I, I don't want it. you to feel you know left out <laughs> because he well, was an, okay. he was an American author. <laughs> just just leave me out. It's all right. <laughs> I'll deal with the feelings. Yeah, right. Just leave me out of <laughs> right yeah. out of all this. <laughs> it's all right, yes. Intriguing. <laughs> yes. So, what do we know about 451? Well, I'll tell you everything I know, and then please do, <laughs> because it's and then Maria nothing. will spoil the All ending. I know so, is pa- okay, that's pa- that's how pa- we- paper burns at 451 degrees. Yes, so it's about yes, it like book burning, right? Something. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Okay, and Maria, <laughs> I'm <laughs> figuring out I've, of how I've, not I've, to spoil I've shot the, the ending, bolt, as they say in, in England. Yes, but you know, in this in this uh, novel. The ending is really open, so I just can't spoil it. That's true. <laughs> because That's true. But what's the plot? Like nothing happens in the in the end, kind of. Okay, let's talk about what happens <laughs> at the beginning and in the middle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this guy, whose name is Montag. Yeah, Guy right? Montag. Uh, uh, guy Guy Montag. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, he works in a fire brigade, right, mm-hmm. as a firefighter. But in this world, firefighters uh, do not stop fires. They make fires and they burn Uh books uh, and so it's basically the world uh, where people again as maybe in the brave new world people are constantly entertained by something for example Mm -hmm. by tv i guess they have these walls with screens in Mm -hmm. their houses Mm -hmm. and they can Mm -hmm. put on their headphones and uh like kind of um, dive into the world of entertainment uh but they don't read books it means that they have no imagination no critical thinking and like it's the society which lacks the cultural basis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Okay, and now so, no spoilers. <laughs> so yeah, and, and Guy Montag, so at some point he... Um, well, there was a story where he got into a house and there was a woman who uh, didn't agree to leave the house, so she preferred rather to burn a life with the books rather than leave them behind. So, and that made him think, you know, what is so important in books that people are ready to die for their sake. So and he quits his job and, you know, he commits himself to the preservation of literary works. So, because he, uh, he meets people who tell him about the books and the stories in the books. So, and he gets, well, well, shocked maybe, and he decides to commit his life to that, to preservation of that. But yeah, there are a lot of elements and also uh, uh, he is um, I guess he started to keep books to mm-hmm. save books from fire but he was unable to understand what these books contain and mm-hmm. he needed a person like kind of mediator yes, who yes. would help him understand the meaning it's I-330 or is that the other yes, yes. <laughs> kind of her his own I-330 uh, but not rebellious one just but not a prophet like a wise man uh-huh. Mantle, yeah, a, sh- a sherpa. <laughs> you know the term sherpa, yeah, a sherpa. So and uh, is a guide, yeah, yeah a guide. Right, okay. got it. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, just, I just wanted to, to stress <laughs> my big moment, <laughs> sherpa. But you can forget a round, about it. a round of applause, please. <laughs> yes. yes. Cue the applause. Andrew will add some extra applause there. You know what's interesting about 451, apart from the story itself, is that... Apart from numbers. (laughs) Numbers are everywhere. Mm -hmm. So is that Ray Bradbury, uh, so when he was writing this book, and I think this book was written in 1951? Something. So the end of uh, the 40s, the beginning of the 50s, I think. So, and he... um, described the seashells so he said like about one of the characters like and in her ears were little seashells that uh transmitted like music electronic ocean of sound talk and everything and at that time people laughed at ray bradbury for for imagining this they said seashells in ears like oh yeah right so what Mm -hmm. do we have now wireless earbuds so he was the one who predicted the, their invention. At that time, um, the headphones existed in a weird shape, not the, not the one that we know right now. So, yeah. And that's why I think... Uh, so Ray Bradbury has a whole series about Mars and colonizations of Mars. Mm-hmm. So and people laughed at him, but hmm, 
you know, in this guy, Elon Musk, <laughs> probably didn't laugh at him. <laughs> yeah, maybe right, that's that's why he got the uh, yeah, <laughs> the inspiration. I mean, oh, science fiction authors uh, were real prophets. That's why I love them so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They predicted so many things and they uh, were so creative. I yeah. just admire them. And of course, so these books that we have talked about, these are just the best, the classics. But obviously there are many, 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 many more among Russian authors as well. So um, Brothers Strugatsky, so they wrote uh, dystopias, Um, I think in a way Stanislav Liam was the one. Then there were some books like Moscow is Speaking or Moscow 2043. So which are also examples of dystopias that, you know, might be interesting to read. Yeah, but of course dystopias are not limited to books only. So nowadays we can see dystopias in the world of films and TV shows. Maybe you know some examples? The one that had been mentioned before there... Uh uh, tales of uh, the, hand, the, the handmaid's, handmaid's tale. Yeah, the handmaid's tale. I don't know tale. why it's so difficult for me to remember. So, yeah, do you know anything about the handmaid's tale? I've read the book. You read? Do you remember what it was about? Uh, <clears throat> it is a bit different from other dystopian pieces of work because it's mainly devoted to the like feminist topics, uh, kind of like mm, the. Uh, position of a woman uh, and it was written by a woman so it is different it stands out it, somehow. it does so i would love to talk about the handmaid's tale but not about the book but about the tv show uh, because in the book um in the end we find out that you know we do not know whether that Yes, yes, I'm taking uh-huh, the role uh-huh. of spoiling uh-huh. things. <laughs> Are we going to spoil that too? But the thing is that the TV show, um, so only the first season is based on the book, but there are four seasons now, so they uh, developed the story, So and they showed it in a different way. But what is the idea? And I remember how uncomfortable I felt when I was watching the show, because first of all, the action takes place in our modern world in uh, Boston area, So and in general in the U.S., so, and it is the world where uh, due to a um, environmental pollution caused by some some sort of a, well, environmental pollution and some disease caused by some kind of a virus. So the fertility rates have collapsed. So, and then it all started. Um, so, and the, the show started by showing that at some point, women's uh, credit cards and, you know, all bank accounts were blocked so they were they they just couldn't use the money the next day all the women were fired from their workplaces and apparently so there were some group of groups of people who uh, massacred the government took control of the country and stated you know the new world where women have no control of money they can no they cannot have work they should be uh dependent on their husbands or brothers or any kind of a male relative. So, and then the women, uh, well, the society started to be organized uh, in different ways. So, the this government was called the Gilead. So, and women were given certain roles. So, there were the elite, so which were, well, who were the wives of the commanders. So, they were called the wives. So, the wives were Women of power, well, initially they were women of power, now they were, they were merely wives, but they were barren, so they couldn't bear children. Then we had um, the Ritas, as they were called, so those were women who have already, you know, got children, they were of middle age, um, so they could still work, so they were working for the commanders and their wives. They There were the unpeople, I think they were called, so women who are old um, women who uh, have committed some kind of crimes, homosexuals, the heretics, and they were sold to uh, sort out some chemical wastes and later die. So they were just sent, you know, to some kind of jobs where they would not survive. And there were the handmaids. So in these um, handmaids, so they were bearing the children for the commanders and their families. So this was their only purpose. So and in this uh, in this TV show in the book, so the main character 
Offred, so because handmaids were not were no longer given names. I mean, they did not have their own names. Their name was the name of the commander they were serving, plus the prefix of. So Offred was the main character. So she belonged to the commander Fred. So she finds out that um, there is some kind of resistance. So and she tries to help other handmaids to escape. She tries to escape because at that time, so it was in the U.S. So and some people try to escape to Canada to seek asylum if they could. If they couldn't, they were either killed or sent to the colonies to clear the nuclear waste. So, and that was very uncomfortable, I mean, to read. And I felt really weird because first of all, it happened in the place where I was living at the moment. Second, uh, let's think about it. So a certain virus, which later, you know, had some consequences. Then women had no longer access to their bank accounts. And at that point... Well, it explained. It was explained in the story that uh, cash was banned, as you know. And some people later understood that it was like the first step towards it, because you know um, the money, like the credit cards, the cards, all this non-cash. You know, they're easier to control by the government. And we were talking with some of the friends, and we we're like, wait. So when this COVID started, cash was not allowed in Massachusetts. So it literally a lot of shops really? said no cash allowed because they believed that, you know, you could touch the bills. Yeah, and, touch yeah. the bills and get get the virus. And we were like, oh, look, it kind of, you know, there are some elements of mm-hmm. it. It's too close. Yeah, it's, right. yeah it was like, close, yeah. yes. Because when you read about like uh, the century 32, it's kind of distant. Yeah, but when you read about the city you live in... Mm-hmm. And I, when I was watching, I'm like, oh, wait, this is the place I know. This is the place I know. Of course, there are some inaccuracies in the TV show, but still. So, yes, mm. that was a little bit scary to watch, but, you know. All right. So I would, I would actually advise to watch. So, I mean, I would myself rate it like 7 out of 10 because four seasons. I mean, come on, you could have ended it too. But still. Uh, is the TV show as impre- uh, as depressing as the book? Because I found the book quite depressing. I think it's more depressing than the book. I have read the book because, mm-hmm. right. because it, yes. well, you know, the book. Um, Not to be a spoiler, yeah. But I yes. mean, the book is limited by your imagination, and you know, usually when I read books like that, like you know, hard books to read, like The Boy in a Striped Pajama or The Shawshank Redemption. It's emotionally hard. But if I watch the movie, I just cannot bear it. So I just turn it off. So Mm -hmm. um, The Handmaid's Tale was a little bit more difficult to watch rather than read. So, yeah, because you see see the violence. You see this and it's, you know, it's inevitably more difficult to to handle. But... Mm-hmm. It's very thought-provoking. So I think like people should watch it just for the sake of thinking. Yeah. For me, I think I, 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 w- I wouldn't maybe watch it because the book was uh, already quite hard to read. And I just, uh, maybe I find, I, I find it uh, too hard to read about such things where um, interpersonal relationships are limited because I want to, to be able to choose who I make friends with and who mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. Th- that's what. And here it's... And, it, and dystopias are all about not being able to do that. Most of them, yes. Most of them. I mean, for example, in Ray Bradbury's uh, 451 Fahrenheit, it was not about this. So that's why it was not easier such, yes. for me to read. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but when relationships are regulated, I just can't stand it. And I would like to tell you about one more TV TV show, um, which I think everybody should watch, even though it's not an, an easy watch. But <clears throat> this TV show is Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I've heard you've heard uh, of it. I, 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 I've heard of it. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. watched, uh, I guess, a couple of episodes or maybe three if, first episodes. Oh, if there is somebody who's listening, if you want to watch it, never watch the first episode of the first season. Just trust me on this one. It's disgusting. Like, it's not as such, you know, dystopian or something, but it's legit disgusting. I, so, don't, I don't remember what it is about. I just remember the About episode. a pig. I'll uh, just tell you this word, about a pig. Okay, I don't remember. No, Nothing okay. comes to my mind. I, I remember about guys uh, who were cycling. 
It's somewhere in the beginning. They were cycling and watching advertisements, something like this. Okay, yeah, it might be the the one, but yeah. So, but the reason why I like this show is that it examines modern society and in regard to the anticipated effects of technology advancement and new technologies. So, and I love that each episode is a standalone, so it's not connected to the previous episode or the next episode. So it's like, you know, a separate story, which is an alternative present or the near future. And very often, you know, it has this dark humor. Sometimes it's more... It's lighter, sometimes it's darker, but in general, I just love them. So, and there are several episodes which I advise watching. So, how many of them are there, uh, all in all? Uh, well, let me count. So, three seasons. How many seasons? It's five seasons. Uh, some okay. seasons have three episodes, some seasons have five episodes. Are they all directed by uh, different people? I think so. I okay. think so. And there were some episodes that I liked. Uh, for example, one of them was called The Entire History of You about uh, people who have um, device which is called the grain in their brain, which helps them to record everything that ever happened to them. So they kind of can rewind to a certain scene, you know, to remember that. So, and you know, that brings a lot of questions. Like, would you like to have something like that or not? If you were in this position, would you agree to have that installed There are episodes about, um, let's say, punishment, which the episode called uh, White Bear. So whether the capital punishment is something suitable or if it's better to have a more cruel alternative, which it showed. So there were episodes like Be Right Back about um, the possibility of bringing people's mind back to life. Well, at least... Mm -hmm. You know, using the technology to do that, even though it wouldn't be a real person, you know, things like that. Episodes about our addiction to likes and, you know, um, social media where everything is based on your personal rating. So, and it's, you know, they have, these episodes very often have some some humor in it, but they also make you think a lot. So I would definitely mm -hmm. advise um Are they all that. pessimistic? Uh, there are a couple of episodes too, which are not okay, which are light and actually, you know, right. kind. You might hit those, yeah, right? <laughs> two out of twenty. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, you got a shot. Well, it's better than nothing, you know. That's right. <laughs> mathematical situation. So, and what what would you say are the elements of dystopias that we have now in real life? Boy, I'll tell you, I would not like to live in China. These days, now to our many Chinese listeners, no offense, but I really would not like to live in China. Mm -hmm. Would you like to live in China? I mean, they are—they've got this thing no, where you. you're, where you are graded on your mm -hmm. behavior, mm -hmm. and everything goes on some kind of common record. And mm -hmm. if you cross the street illegally, oh, just like in the episode of Black Mirror, like it's bad. It I is. Mean, it is that. Is, wow. So we already have a dystopian country. Let's well, but at the same time, they have very low level of crime, incredibly low level oh, sure, of crime. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it has its goods and its bads. What other elements of dystopias can you think of? <clears throat> We are under surveillance. Yeah. Yeah, mass surveillance. Yes. That's also too real, right? It's hard to it's hard to speak about it. It's difficult to speak because it's difficult to admit <laughs> that we have a lot I of. I love how you like elements, elements. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm sure that we are living in a dystopia. If you read any of those, especially you know Brave New World and Animal Farm, it's like reading about the current state of affairs. So you know, and I read um, the theory about why people love reading dystopias. And one of the theories was that people love imagining what they would do should they live in this world. And I'm like, we are already living in a light version of such a world. So, yeah, well, it's a light version of it, but the elements are there. They are. Yeah, but who yeah. knows what's going to happen next to whether, whether we <clears throat> yeah. are going to have a not as light version of that or not. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit pessimistic about all that, but I would still <clears throat> keep to the point that I believe in the human race. 
Oh, well, Maria is adorable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone should be. Oh, my but... sweets, I'm a child. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, call me naive, but. <laughs> no, we won't. Okay. Gary, we won't. <laughs> no, we're not going to. We're not. We're giving up on it. Yeah. I mean, we have survived I mean, through the history, we, yeah. and we will. It was a pretty good experiment, but complete fail. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is going to be your main takeaway from this episode and a question, special question to Gary. Gary, what have you learned or, <laughs> you know, what? from this episode? You're going to try this again. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do that every single time. Oh my goodness. All right. And you're going to regret it every single time. No, I'm not. No, you won't. Okay. So what do I, what do I, what did I learn? Well, I learned uh, hearing some of those in some of those books that I haven't read or that I have read long ago mm-hmm. and thinking about some of these other things that I have to think about um, the the collective elements and the propagandizing and the um, the elites and the masses and all of these common some of these common elements of utopias and dystopias right uh, that they kind of Meet, mm-hmm. and um, so I just thought about that. Mm-hmm. Maria, what would be your main takeaway from this episode? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to reread uh, some of uh, the dystopian uh, novels, but I'm definitely not going to read any of Utopias. So I just I. Uh, mm, became stronger about this idea. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't going, but and I'm, I'm still not going to. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to read mm-hmm. Atos or uh, Thomas More. All right. There's a takeaway. I'm uh, not going to read Thomas yeah. More's Utopia. Because, well, uh, I have learned <laughs> that... Life-changing encounter here. Uh, I have learned that uh, they are not... So different. I mean, utopias and mm-hmm. dystopias. Yeah, they are it, it closely interconnected. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like, which is what Karl Popper was saying about Plato, uh, is that this is not really a, you know, an ideal mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I would probably watch. Uh, I would. I, I will give the Black Mirror one more chance because I don't. I don't remember why I stopped watching it, but I think I will. I would say that you need to take breaks in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like watch a couple of episodes, then just forget about it for like a week, two, three months. Yeah, maybe. A month. So, because otherwise it would be way too hard to watch all of them in one go. Mm. Okay. And I think that while preparing and while talking, I realized that I would like to look uh, more into the theory of political systems because I have realized that I, well, while reading the summary of Plato's uh, work, I've realized that I am so shockingly ignorant of so many things. So I would like to change that a little bit to know a little bit more about the concepts of utopia and different other political systems. So, you know, learning. All right. So thank you so much. Well, Thank that, you. That was the Thank Big you. Apple School podcast. And today we discussed utopias and dystopias. So thank you for listening, dear listeners. And remember, if you struggle to understand our conversation, you are always welcome to our website, which is bigappleschool.com slash podcast. So you can find full scripts of each episode there. So you can listen and read. And those scripts are very user friendly if you're using your mobile phone. So if you want to get more content, which will help you learn English, you can follow us on any social media, be that Instagram, VK, Telegram, just search our name, which is again, Big Apple School. So that was Katya. And my guests for today were Gary and, and Maria. Stay tuned and we'll see you around. <laughs>